0: Hello and welcome to the Stadium Tech Report podcast. I'm Phil Harvey, but enough about me. Joining me from Boulder, Colorado, say hello to the editor-in-chief of the Mobile Sports Report, Mr. Paul Kaputska. Greetings. You know what, Paul? Boulder is the happiest place on earth, according to an article I read in The Guardian on May 21st.
1: I can neither confirm nor deny this.
0: (laughs) Well, happy as you are, we are actually talking about Kentucky today. In fact, uh, we're, we're recapping and analyzing what happened at the Kentucky Derby because even though it is the fastest two minutes in sports, it is in reality one of the longest days of connectivity for fans at a uh, an event venue. Um, so all the way back to, uh, I mean, it's, it's just steeped in tradition. Uh, dating back to 1875, uh, the Run for the Roses is held on the first Saturday in May, at Churchill Downs in lovely Louisville, Kentucky. The facility is enormous, it's gorgeous, it's 147 acres and in that huge complex is a one mile dirt track where horses go around one and a quarter times in about two minutes flat. Everybody always says it's the fastest two minutes in sports and um, I was looking back to see if there was ever like, uh, you know, if. The race had ever been run slower than two minutes, and it has a few times. But weirdly enough, one of the slowest times in Kentucky Derby history was back in 1891. Hmm. A horse named Kingman uh, won the Derby, but ran it in a in a terrible two minutes fifty-two seconds. So. Wow. Anyway, I couldn't help myself. Was he pulling um, a chariot with Romans in it? I don't know. I just think maybe, uh, maybe you know, it's kind of like baseball players like Babe Ruth back in the day. They did, Maybe he just had a gut on him and he was a little <laughs> slow. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, uh-huh, so yeah. it at Churchill Downs, the stands are packed with 170,000 fans yes. on Derby Day. And even an old sprawling structure like that, the people inside are still craving connectivity. Oh, and yes it is it to me uh, just given the size and the scope of a place like that uh taking connectivity to all those people sounds like it would give me a bigger headache than a mint julep hangover but i'm glad i have you on the line here to tell yes. me exactly what have they done there well the
1: very simple answer to what they have done is DAS, distributed mm. antenna system um, okay. as as you correctly noted you know bringing connectivity to a huge sprawling massive crowd uh, could be one of the all-time toughest challenges. Uh, you have buildings, you know, that were built before the real Colonel Sanders was born and, and, <laughs> and now you're being asked to you know support iPhones and Androids and people who are you know taking selfies, pictures of celebrities. Yeah. It's it, you know there's a lot of bandwidth requirements for a crowd that big and for really mm-hmm. a bucket list event.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a. It, it, it's a. It's it, well. That's the thing too. Is it's not just your regular crowd. It's like this is a well-moneyed like. Oh yeah, definitely NFL want to show the players,
1: world here. right? Movie stars, rappers, what have you. Yeah. So you know, normally you would look at this and say, you know, well, why don't you bring Wi-Fi in? And mm-hmm. the 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 question you get in here is one of economics and numbers. You know, on a scale that. Even even football stadiums don't encounter it, it. It what it turns out is that it's not economically feasible to bring Wi-Fi in and cover the entire grounds because when we spoke to um, Churchill Downs uh, racetrack general manager Ryan Jordan, who mm-hmm. we come to speak with every year now, you know he says there are other events at the at Churchill Downs, but mm-hmm. pretty much for races that aren't the Kentucky Derby or the Kentucky Oaks, which takes place the day before the Kentucky Derby is sort of like a, it's, you know, people come for the whole weekend. Um, You know, you're talking maybe 10,000 people, maybe 20,000 people for some of these other races. So, you know, the bottom line is you're not going to build Wi-Fi for 170,000 people when it's only used once a year. It just doesn't make any sense. That's, you know, Hmm. expenditure of millions of dollars. So. What they've really turned um, Churchill Downs into is sort of a, I I would say, you know, a lab or a a proving ground for, you know, high-capacity DAS. And the provider they're using is one well-known to those of us at Mobile Sports Report and in the stadium business, Mobility, out of Southern California. They're Mm a neutral third-party host, which means they build the network infrastructure and then rent space on it, if you will, to the carriers. Now, it, you know, it's not just mobility doing all the work. AT&T was their design partner a few years ago. Verizon, as we've seen at the Super Bowl, gets heavily involved with DAS deployments. And so far, they've been able to, you know, I would say, more than keep up with the demands of the crowd. The stats from this year that came in was um, combined AT&T and Verizon traffic was 12 terabytes of data just on Derby Day, just on Saturday, mm, wow! And then they hit twenty terabytes for the whole weekend. So you know, even the Kentucky Oaks Day, it, which also has like like uh, Kentucky Derby Day, has thirteen or fourteen races. Yeah, uh, you know, so twenty terabytes is is pretty big. It, it could even be higher because T-Mobile is also on the DAS, but they didn't share the stats with us. But you know, what we've been seeing is that over the past three years, which is when they put the DAS in, uh, they've doubled data usage almost every year.
0: That's incredible. But, you know, I guess it does bring up to always the capacity question. Um, Is DAS going to be enough um, in the long term? And I I bring that up specifically too because, um, you know, debuting this year was the new Kentucky Derby app from Venue Next. Um, which has a couple of firsts associated with it. Um, the, fir- the, the first first <laughs> is that uh, I think this is their first app outside of an enclosed stadium. It is. So yes, different is. Different challenge, different uh, connectivity model and all that. It's also, um, it may not be one of the first, but it's a first that I've heard of at Kentucky Derby. It's an app that actually includes um, a, a direct link into online betting. So it's going to have that repeat look factor you know people yes. pinging and querying databases and hitting it and you know that sort of thing right. so a- as you you know introduce those um you know new variables is it, you think that's going to be enough for the future
1: you know i i do for the short term future and and some of the reasons why i'll explain the the good thing about the derby layout in that it's spread out and as you said you know a mile long dirt track there's a main grandstand building, there's, you know, the infield, Mm -hmm. um, you don't have, what you don't have is some of the interference issues that you get in a circular bowl stadium where, Mm. you know, sometimes if you're sitting on one side of the stadium, your device sees an antenna on the other side of the stadium and wants to connect to it, even though it's not, you know, the best antenna for it to connect. That's, you know, that's a big problem that you just sort of get away from when you're in a bigger space. And I'm also thinking, you know, this is the the racing spread out over the whole day, right? So it's, it's a pretty big number, still 12 terabytes of traffic, but there's 13 or 14 races. I, I mean, really, yeah. I, I think Ryan had told me that like out of the whole day, there's only, you know, 25 minutes of actual sporting action of actual horses running. Yeah. And so you have these long stretches of downtime. And I, I just think that... Other than the spikes that are coming, like right before a race, right after a race, and you know clearly with all the pageantry of the Kentucky Derby itself, uh, other than those spike times, I, I don't think you know that. I, I don't think you you have the kind of pressures that you may have at a football type game. The, yeah, know, and, and the other thing with the with the spacing out is that in addition to the DAZ, of course, AT and T, AT and T, and Verizon bring in their mobile troops, and they do this at any big event where they can. They drive up the cell tower on trucks. They drive up the cell tower on wheels. They park those things outside. And in this case, they can even, you know, sort of fine-tune the macro area network because it's so so spread out. So I think for the short term, you know, it can stand up.
0: Okay. And, and I mean, cause the, 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 thing that, you know, that you sort of think of too is when I was looking back at DAS numbers from what we had talked about around the Super Bowl. I mean, the 12 terabyte mark is the second highest single day DAS number I think we've seen anywhere at any venue. Um, so that, that's a big amount of data, but a very different, uh, profile usage profile, because as you mentioned, this is spread out over a full day of racing, a bunch of different, uh, races, very short sort of spikes with lots of downtime in between. Um, so how does, I guess that helps with, with coverage and capacity as well then since it's a different type of profile. It's not like, um, you know, four quarters of more or less continuous action in a football game.
1: Right, right. And and I, I I do hear your concerns and I do wonder about, you know, getting back to you talking about the app. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, Venue Next has, you know, its signature thing, which is the food ordering and delivery. And they right. did try that out this year, but it was a very, I think it was like less than 500 people who had access to order food and have it delivered to them. Um, so that's going to grow next year. Yeah, I don't know how big it's going to grow, but it is going to grow next year. A- and then there's the whole betting thing. Um, Churchill Downs has had its own mobile betting app, I think it's for two years now. But now that you have, you know, a Venue Next app, which gives you the wayfinding, which is, you know, also just a huge thing at a big place like this, right? I mean, yeah. where did I park my car? Where's the mint julep stand? <laughs> where, where are the betting windows if I don't want to bet on the app? Right. Um, but now they have the Venue Next app also has a link. It's not the betting isn't actually inside the venue. Next app, it's right, a link. It goes, yeah. you, you actually install both apps, and it just you know it's a, it's a little button. It says, "Do you want to make a bet?" And I don't even know if the people even know they're going to another app, but you can make the bet there. But as all this you know grows and becomes more more popular, I I just wonder if there's going to be more Wi-Fi needed. Right now, Churchill Downs does have a small Wi-Fi network fan facing. Wi-Fi network. It's in the main clubhouse building. You know the mm-hmm. twin spires, right? And and that you know that works when you have some of those smaller crowds where pretty much everybody's just in one area. I, and I want, but I wonder if you know as as you know more people discover the Venue Next app. You know they they just rolled it out this year right prior to the race. So I'm not sure how many people actually downloaded it. Uh-huh. But you know I bet a lot of them who were there this year said, "Oh, next year when I come back." I'm going to download that app, so yeah. I, I don't know if we'll see some expanded Wi-Fi in into the premium seating areas because I still you know I know the the DAS did a big number at the Super Bowl I know you know AT and T Stadium does a great job with its DAS but mm-hmm. I just I just feel like you know the power and the the capacity of Wi-Fi is just can offer so much more I I just don't know if you if you can completely ignore it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a, also it's, I guess it's a different kind of horse race, if you will. Um, So I mean, you know, we we, we wonder how how the take up of the app is going to shape the story going forward. But we also know that carriers are always trying to keep you know as much traffic as they can on their cellular network um, rather than Wi Fi because they can build directly for that data. You know, it chews up the data buckets that we all buy. Um, We also, you know, I mean, the other thing too that that's that's coming down the road and this is not next year but maybe after that Mm. is the you know carriers are going to start wanting to find testing grounds for 5g um you know the next generation of mobile uh, network technology right that's this you know places like that seem like they could be interesting testing grounds for that because they're the the real appeal of 5g is the um the the low latency time and the really high bandwidth. So, you know, if carriers pay to um, you know, put those sorts of improvements in place, then maybe venues like Churchill Downs would wait on Wi Fi and, and and put it off even longer.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Um you know, because the the costs for Wi Fi are upfront and very real. And even though I'm guessing, you know, the Kentucky Derby makes a lot of money, who wants to spend three million dollars or five million dollars for something that just sits there all year? Yeah. So so I you know, I, I the thing I do know is that we still haven't seen any sign anywhere of bandwidth demands slowing down or plateauing at any of these big events. I mean, we keep waiting we yeah. keep waiting for it to happen. We keep sort of just the, the numbers just keep rolling in and, and, you know, you just keep asking yourself, when is this going to stop? And, and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon because really, I you know, we haven't seen anywhere where there's been stats saying, you know, half the people at an event are using their devices on the
0: network. It's like, wow, you know. And, and like uh, the Kentucky Derby proves, it's a it's across whatever uh, connectivity right. modality is available. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know,
1: it'll be fun to watch. I'm sure we'll be writing a story next year about more improvements to the TAS at Kentucky yeah. Derby and, you know, maybe, maybe some more improvements to the app. But I, I think it does, you know, sort of tie a bow on this whole thing. It, it does show that even if you are a huge event with a lot of traffic, Wi-Fi is not necessarily uh, a must-have. If you, yeah. if you plan correctly, if you engineer it, if you have the right partners, if you have you know, the right know-how, you, you can get it done just with DAZ, especially for, a, you know, I would say, a big just one-time event like this. So it's, it, I think that's a pretty interesting
0: story. Yeah. Good story. Um, so let's close with a bit about, uh, the latest survey you're working on. So this is, this is another big deal and it's for stadium tech pros. So, so what's the, what's the dirt on that?
1: Yeah. So we, if you go to our site, you will see a story and a link. We are now in the process of collecting data for our 2016 state of the stadium tech survey. And basically Mm -hmm. we are asking stadium tech professionals people who work in the stadiums or work with teams or venue operators, people you know who have their hands on the dials of the network, if it will, to mm. take a few minutes, answer our questions. It's all completely anonymous. So, I mean, we know who you are because we need your email address, but we don't publish any team-specific, league-specific. In other words, we just aggregate the results. And to me, the aggregate results are – You know, the power uh, of seeing who's, you know, across the board, how many stadiums have Wi-Fi, who's using, you know, Wi-Fi metrics and analytics, who's um, really doing a good job with CRM and ticketing operations. We ask questions in all these arenas. So we're asking for your help. If you're listening to this podcast, you no doubt are somehow connected to the Mm -hmm. fine business of stadium technology deployment. So go to the site. Find the link, um, enter your data, and the results will be distributed at the Seat Conference in Las Vegas, which starts July nineteenth. And we'll actually have printed copies if you believe it. If you go to the Seat Copy Seat mm-hmm. Conference, you get a printed copy, of, like actual on paper results. After that, old of, school, old school. <laughs> After that, of course, you can. You, and everybody who who participates in the survey does get, um, you know, the whole. Report mailed to them, emailed to them afterwards. So, it's you know it's a great bit of industry information. I think we we are. I mean, I don't think I know we are the only people out there who are tabulating these kind of numbers. And it's been pretty interesting to watch things like overall Wi-Fi penetration go from I think thirty-five percent the first year we did the survey to you know almost sixty percent last year. So, wow. come on over. The website is mobilesportsreport.com. We'll have all kinds of links and, and information you can follow uh, to take the survey. The 2016 State of the Stadium Technology Survey, sponsored by JMA Wireless.
0: Fantastic. Well, that's a, the other thing, too, about the survey is that it's 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 a multi-year survey. It's, um, and so you have that data in the past to draw back on and sort of show, really show the industry, um, how, how far this is progressing, how, how fast things are evolving and that sort of thing. And that helps as well.
1: Yeah, it, it's really cool actually to, um, and we still, you know, you can still find the old ones to download as well. Um, it is really cool. We keep the questions pretty similar year to year so that you can see, you know, what's happening. And there are some definite trends and, you know, that's but we need. We need the people to take the survey because the more, the more data we get, the better it is.
0: Cool. And how can listeners of this podcast find out more about you and Mobile Sports Report and all that that implies?
1: Well, you can start at our cleverly named website, which is at mobilesportsreport.com. There you will find daily news and analysis of the stadium technology industry and all its facets. You will also find links to this podcast, and you can subscribe via iTunes, which is also handy, and you can find a place to download our latest quarterly report Right now, we're still with the Q1 report, but by the time this podcast comes out, we may have even launched the Q2 report. So those things are just chock full of long form stories. We've got photos, we've got analysis, we've got stadium visits, we've got a big report coming up in the uh, in the Q2 issue about Wi-Fi analytics, how people are using analytics to you know, use Wi-Fi to have, make business decisions. It's really great. So, um, mobile sports is where it all starts. You can also sign up for our weekly email newsletter there to keep these things coming into your mailbox. If you're too busy to go to the website.
0: Fantastic. I'm, uh, at future Phil on Twitter and on behalf of Paul and the mobile sports report, I'm Phil Harvey. Thanks so much for listening.